I totally use writing as an escape from experiencing. It's a really lovely one. <laughs> Especially when other people read what you write and think that it's really great. And you're like, and yeah. That, and think that you were in it even more because you were writing about it. Right? Uh, I wish I didn't know this so well. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Darken the Page, the podcast where I ask the question, where does great art come from? And we talk to writers, uh, musicians, songwriters, screenwriters, visual artists, all sorts of people um, about that and their creative process. So today on the show, I'm with my good friend Rachel Maddox, who's actually sitting here while I'm doing this intro because um, we're cool like that. And we sit in a night, we're sitting in her nice little house here in La Jolla, California. We talk about writing, we talk about sex. We actually talk a lot about sex. We, we get, we get in some sex. pretty, you can't speak in the intros. Oh, now this is my intro. You're not supposed to be here. Um, I'm not here. Okay, so, but that was really cute. Um, but soon you'll hear Rachel in the actual interview and it'll be great um, because we talk about the things we talked about. And um, Rachel is an author. Uh, she's the author of a book called Secret Bad Girl. And um, we'll find out if she actually is a secret bad girl in the interview. She is. I don't know. what. It, well, we'll find out what that means as well. That's funny. I've never had a guest inter- get interrupt on the intro. That's great. Um, and uh, you can go to the show notes, which will be at darkenthepage.com slash 065. This is the 65th episode. And you can find uh, links to Rachel's book. You can find links to Rachel's Instagram. She has these really cool Instagram posts that I love. Um, you should check out. And as usual, if you have any feedback for me, you can hit me up at darkenthepage at gmail.com. And you can leave an iTunes review and rating, which is really helpful. Um, or you can just tell your friends. You can just be like, yo, darken the page is the shit. You want to be a better writer? You want to learn about the creative process of other people who are doing it out there on the front lines? Go do it. Go talk to them. And so that's what Dark on the Page is about. That's what's about to happen. So here it is, my conversation with my good friend, Rachel Maddox. Welcome, Rachel. Welcome to Dark on the Page. Thanks for having podcast me. Podcast where I stay over guests' houses and then have them make me breakfast in the morning and then talk about writing. Pretty sweet deal you got there. <laughs> yes. So, um, as we get into this, I'd love to for you to tell people just a little about who you are as a writer, what you kind of what you do, um, what you've been up to. Give people like a little bit of a synopsis of who you are as a. Maybe not just like a writer, but like a creative person in general, but like with an emphasis on writing. All right, sweet. As I'll, I'll massage your foot. Oh, too. yes. This is the best thigh. interview ever. Um, well, I'm the author of the book, Secret Bad Girl. And in that book, I tell stories. I have poetry. I explain the science of trauma. Secret Bad Girl is a sexual trauma memoir and resolution guide. And so, you know, but I've been a writer my whole life since I was a kid. I like stole my dad's typewriter and used to make poems and neon paper in my bedroom. So I've always written, but now I do a lot of writing for both just self-expression and education. Do you feel like your dad, was that consent? Did he like, was he cool with you taking his typewriter or was it like, did you actually have to steal it? Um, I feel like he'd probably be okay with you writing. He was okay with it. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean. Is that part of you being a secret bad girl is just saying you steal stuff, but it, you didn't actually steal it? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Okay. That's great. So you wrote a book. Called Secret Bad Girl. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're you're working on a second book too? Yeah. Called Grown Goddess. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you what do you like what do you like about writing? I mean, I feel like there's so many ways to get your message out today and talk about yourself, but what is it about writing or even book writing that you find actually that you like? I really it really is the poetry. I like feeling the rhythm of words in my mouth or in my mind or in my like body almost as I'm writing. That's why I prefer writing to speaking, although sometimes I speak poetically. I like that feeling of like, I'm going to say this message pretty succinctly in a way that, boom, hits somebody because of the assonance or the consonance or... Assonance? 
What's yeah, it's like mean? when the I would look up. I would look that up. Inside. If I was listening to this podcast right now, I, I would say, "Hey Siri, define assonance." It's when the inside of the word sounds the same. So, like frame and shame. It's rhyming, but it's so also it's like the like, opposite of dissonance, I guess, huh? Yeah, okay. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Huh. Sometimes dissonance is effective, though. It is totally. Yeah. yeah, I think I had heard this story once about. I think it was Rachmaninoff had mm-hmm. played done. He'd written this, um, this concerto, whatever, and. It was in it, but there was like so much, there was like a ton of dissonance and people like rioted. It was just like, you know, 17th century <laughs> Russia or something. And then it was just really interesting, like how it's like really just stirs up people. Yeah, Maybe, totally. You know. um, so you have a cool little place here in La Jolla where we are. It's mm-hmm. um, a nice sort of writer's nook, if you will. Um, Except not at all, because it's so beautiful that I'm totally distracted all the time. Oh, okay. Would it be better if, like, you... I, I do find it, yeah, I, I can I can relate. Like, it's like if someplace is really beautiful, like, you don't really want to be inside and write. That's why rainy days are the best for writing. Rainy days are awesome for writing. I lived in Portland for a few years. I wrote a poem a day when I lived in Portland, which was, like, one of the most, you know, prolific times in my life. Yeah, yeah. Um, tell me a little about, do you have any kind of, maybe in when you were writing this book or when you're in a writing routine, maybe you don't do this every time, but, like, do you have like a little routine? Do you have a, some rituals? I know you're kind of into rituals, that kind of thing. I totally have a routine. So when I wrote Secret Bad Girl, I was like, and actually it's the same routine I'm using for my current book that I'm writing when I do it. Um, I like to wake up early in the morning and go for a run. How early is early? Like six. Okay. Five thirty, And just wow. get out of bed, drink a cup of water, a glass of water, and go for a run. And then... When I'm here, I come back and I go right outside to my little porch because I've got like the outside air and the morning light and the birds. And I just put my feet up on one chair, sit on the other chair with my laptop in my lap. Uh And I write for two hours and I I don't reread what I write. I just write Uh and let it out. Yeah. So when I was writing my book, I had a similar... Do you stop after two hours? Like do you just do two hours? I stop at two hours, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So you don't like try a, to write all day and no. pump out a bunch of crap at the end of the day that you don't actually like. And no. No. You go for like the high quality stuff and then you stop. Yeah. And sometimes when I'm when I'm just – I mean sometimes I have days where I just write and write and write. But it's usually not books. That's usually when I'm just feeling more like poetry or blog writing or whatever. Get onto a topic and I can't stop writing about it. Then I will have days where I write anywhere from four to seven hours. But – when I'm doing a book, I try to be really like devoted to it, like a religion. And I wake up early and I run and I write. And... Yeah. 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 Um, do you have any other quirky rituals and fun things that you do? Hmm. Do you like, you know, obsessively clean before you write or something or like, you know, have your like, like turn in circles three times or something? <laughs> no, I don't. I think just why not maybe you should come up with some more rituals probably yeah no you know what I used to do more ritual kind of stuff but for me it just is sort of like an excuse like I don't need anything to be any way if I'm gonna write I just fucking get up and write so I think just being up in the morning and going for a run really is the best because my mind gets clear I've already moved my body and I'm just like ready yeah I do feel I, I always find that if I get up and then try to like go right into something without really much like moving body it just doesn't feel right like it's just weird yeah totally you know it's like my body's like wait why are we doing this so soon like why what it's like we should be doing something else right before we do this the other thing is that i don't do anything like i don't go on my phone i don't like nothing it's just straight up run water oh i maybe i get some food actually like some berries or something some berries (laughs) Brain food. Berries are your brain food? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what about these scrolls that you write? What, tell me about these things. I've heard you're, you're famous for your scrolls. <laughs> well, there's lots of different kinds of scrolls. So if you're listening and you're thinking, what's a scroll? Um, I have party scrolls. I have divination scrolls. I have poetry scrolls. I have story scrolls. So party scrolls. Soon these will be available online at, at rachelscrolls.com or something. <laughs> you know, my dad really thought I should sell them. He was like, these are the best. I made them for my dad once for like Father's Day or his birthday or something. Mm-hmm. I made him a whole box of scrolls. So scrolls, if you put them in a box, they're like little slips of paper that can have a message on them that you want to hear. 
So you can have like party scrolls and this really gets the party going because they can say things like stand on a chair and make everyone listen to you or, you know, use your hands, let them lead you tonight. So how is it different than like a note? I mean, what, what is it? What, describe well, the scroll. They're Why rolled is that? up and they look really beautiful, like in these little spirals. And then they're yeah. all laid out flat. So you look into the box and you see like a hundred spirals mm-hmm. and you get to choose one. Like it's like this little yeah. magical gift. And you write poetry in these scrolls as well, I imagine. Well, sometimes I write poetry scrolls, which are different. So I have oh. one right here. Oh, go ahead. And it's really long. So I wrote oh, this on vellum. You wanted to open it on the mic too, right? <laughs> yes. This is exciting. So I wrote this scroll on vellum and I wrote with, uh, what's it called? What are these things called? This kind of... Uh, uh, crayons? No, not crayons. Uh, pastels. Okay. And so vellum is see-through. So it just creates this really interesting experience where whoever's watching you open this thing is also seeing the words. Okay. So it's just this whole, you know, multimedia experience. Do you want to read this one? Should I? Sure. It seems seems kind of long. It's a pretty big scroll. It's not that long. It's not that long. It's like a minute. Okay. (laughs) Is this the perfect scroll? (laughs) I don't know. You'll have to tell me. Right. It's always the perfect scroll. Okay. Cast aside the crime of calling love a lie. Oh. Your hopelessness does not feed your hunger. Heart of gold, generous soul, remember the miracle of breath. Bursting into lungs, the sun so radically devoted to seducing our erotic mother. Never, never, ever, ever has a planet been so wet and yet so forgetful. Holy human, open your tongue. Sip in the honey lust. Trust the taste of desire. This rapture won't last forever, but it is now. See, the scroll's getting all wild. Yeah, the scroll's but on the ground. It's like <laughs> a big party already. <laughs> but it is now, and it is moaning on your neck. Forget your doubt. Open your mouth. No, open your legs. Let it in. Nice. <laughs> Let it out. <laughs> I'm just like... It's like scroll stuff here. It's funny. like a spiraling ribbon on the floor. I like. I do like the. I do like the the texture of that. It's the aesthetic. It's, it's like a full experience. It's not just words. It's not just a visual. It's, and you know, I, I had parties once where I used to make scrolls like this. These long poetry scrolls when I was living in Portland and I had no real job. And um, hey, Sid, my neighbor, my ninety-two-year-old neighbor is walking by. Oh yeah, your <laughs> landlord. He's got so water. Cute. Yeah. yeah. He's the sweetest. Um, I used to make these kinds of scrolls and walk around and meet strangers on the street mm-hmm. and like read them to them and have them pick one or whatever and just like whisper them in their ears. But they would hold the scroll. So they would be feeling this thing unravel bef- in their fingertips. But I'd be like saying it to them. It's just a very like seductive, erotic experience. I like that. I was in um, Venice Beach a couple months ago with my friend Obi and there was a couple girls at a farmer farmer's market with a little typewriter yeah and then they said if you know you want a poem and it's like a dollar a line or something or whatever and then you just they wrote you a little poem and this typewriter and printed out this little thing yeah gave it, to you. it was super sweet it's the best it's on the spot just poetry yeah dude i met a guy once also on the streets of portland outside a grocery store he had like all these little pages and was like i'll, I'll write you a poem or whatever so i give him a dollar it was a dollar for a poem and it was like a total psychic poem. Everything he wrote in that poem. At that time, I was doing a lot of circus stuff. And he wrote me a poem about being a soul circus. And I literally had a thing called Traveling Soul Circus. This is like a homeless guy on the street. Hmm. I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Good. Did you tip him? Or was there like a... I didn't even see it till later. No, oh. I didn't. Okay. Or I don't remember. Yeah. yeah. Um, so tell me how this new book is coming. Because you've... You've, you've lamented to me a little bit about the process. You've been struggling with it. We always hear it, Dark on the Page, we love to hear writers' struggles. Yeah, um, so I'm totally what, struggling. What is, uh, tell me about your struggles. I haven't been able, you know, I've, I've done my morning routine like six or seven times. Um, but this book, so my first book, I felt like it just, I had all of these stories. It was just ready to come out. It was like, this book. I got this download of this organization, like this beautiful image of stars. It sounds stupid if I say it, but like 
this whole organization came through. And so I feel like I have to write to the structure that came through and that feels really difficult for me and kind of stifling. And I'm just distracted by the beauty here. I just haven't been able to get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I'm really excited about it and I know it's going to be awesome when I write it, there's just been something about it that I just haven't been able to like land. You've written some stuff, I'm guessing, but it just hasn't... I've written like 20 not, pages or something. Really... It's great. It's fine. It's, But it's also, again, my first book was so many stories. It was so easy to write. This feels like it's more like teaching and mm. so it just doesn't feel as juicy. You don't have any more stories? You're just done? Just like... <laughs> I told all my stories. <laughs> no, I've got more stories. You can tell other people's stories maybe now. I know, but I don't want to tell other people's stories. Those are their stories to tell. Yeah. yeah. So what are you going to do about this? Like, How are you going to fix this? Well, I don't know if this is just total avoidance or bullshit or what, but I keep thinking that in the fall I'll be ready. Like, the summer will be over. The crazy beauty here will subside a little bit. Is it bit. even officially summer? It's like spring right now. I don't know. I'm so confused. I've never lived here before. It's like gorgeous. I'm like, ah. It's kind of always summer. Paradise problems. It's going to feel like summer all, the, all year long. <laughs> How am I ever going to write? <laughs> I will write when it snows in Southern California. <laughs> then the book will come out. How do people write here? <laughs> like, I'll write when the leaves change color on the trees. I mean, do you? Can you? Do you have this problem where it's so beautiful that you don't want to do anything? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess um, I generally don't want to do as much as <laughs> the average person. Um, I mean, I think that it's uh, – well, you know, I do find – like I said, I really do find a correlation between, like, how nice it is and what's going on and how much I want to write. Like, that's why I'm excited to do that train ride, you know, mm-hmm. when, when like – I'm going to train up to the bay in a couple of weeks to go to a thing. And, you know, like it'll be like a 10 hour or 11 hour train ride. And I'm like, there's, it's beautiful. I mean, to scenery and everything, but like, there's nothing else to do on the train. I'm just going to write like a madman, you know? Totally. Um, I actually, and there's something really romantic about that too. Oh, like totally. Writing for 10 hours on the train. Writing on a train. Exactly. <laughs> totally. Writing about trains. And if you're not a little bit romantic as a writer, then you're missing out. Um, you're in the wrong career. <laughs> But, you know, there was, uh, I remember, this was like three years ago or so, I was um, I was working with a, like, a coach or something, and then um, I was saying like, oh, I want to, you know, I'm trying to write more or whatever, and then <clears throat> I went to get my car fixed at this place I get my car fixed at, and, you know, they have a very just nothing lobby waiting area, and, um, and I brought my laptop, and then the car took like, two hours and and then I got I sat and I sat there and I I wrote a ton it was Mm -hmm. great I was like I was like the best writing session ever while I was waiting to get my car done and I don't think they have wi-fi either that always so I came away from that and I was like oh my god it's the car place this is great (laughs) I should I should write here I actually literally did go back because I knew those guys I mean I, I I always got my car fixed there so I went back and and I was like, hey, can I just sit here for a few hours and write? And they're like, yeah, man, whatever. That's weird, but okay. <laughs> and um, and I did that and actually didn't write much. Um, and I've had different times in my life where I've like, oh, this is it. This is it. Or I remember like one time I was like, oh, writing on Evernote. I write on Evernote. That's great. Or then I'm writing on my phone. Oh, my God. Sometimes when I write on my phone, like I write better. And, sure. and I realized it's like, you know, when I'm inspired to write, it doesn't matter if I'm in the middle of the best weather and there's beautiful people running around and parties happening. Or If I'm inspired to write, I'll write. And if I'm not inspired to write, it could be the perfect writing conditions and I won't write. Yeah. The common denominator, though, I think, is that you're a writer. You know, like, that's one of the things that I've realized. Just like, I'm a writer. Writer's going to write. Like, <laughs> writer's going to write. Hate is going to hate. Hate is going to hate. Writer's going to write. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm gonna write, you know, weather, weather be damned. Yeah, and so well, I just don't think I'm ready to write. But it's this just book. like, yeah, that that's the thing. That's 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 I guess what I'm saying too is like it's just you not time. It's the conditions and all that stuff. It's like if you want to write, you'll write. And if you don't yeah. want to write, you're not gonna write. Yeah. So like for my first book, I knew I wanted to write my book. I was like, it is time. I got off Facebook. I got off the internet. I was like. I just turned everything else off and I wrote every single day. And for that book, I would take a morning run. I would write two hours. I would like take a little break. Then I would write another two hours. Mm 
And that was like, I wrote for about a month and I almost finished my book. Or I wrote like maybe 60% of my book in a month. Then I went to this small like equip publishing book company and went through their program and like completed the book. So from start to finish, from like sitting down to write to book is published, it was like three and a half months. It's very fast. Yeah. And so that's the other difference with this book. I'm like, I feel like this one might be slower. But maybe not. Maybe I just haven't really started yet. Or maybe you just don't want to write it. Maybe, In general. Or maybe what maybe the 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 subject or the direction or what the content you're thinking is going to be in the book is not really what you want to be writing about. I know. I know. know? It's going to have a life of its... I mean, that's the other thing. They have lives of their own. And I don't know... Like, I would much rather make a really sexy book. Like, it could still be called Grown Goddess, but I'd much rather it be, like, super sexy than, like, this, like, program that people go through, blah, blah, blah. Although that might be more helpful and make more money or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's not really... It doesn't turn me on. Yeah. What well, does turn you on about this about writing the and other, this kind of, like, when you think about that, like, what, you know? What turns me on is, like, writing what I feel like I have to write, you know, when it's just like, I have to write this. It feels so good to be in the process of writing it because it's alive in me. That's the thing. Like, this. So, what do you feel like you have to write? Did right you realize now? that this interview is going to turn into a coaching session about your second book? No, Probably but <laughs> did you? <laughs> no, I didn't. Okay, or there we did go. I? Uh, but what do you feel like you have to write? I like, like how you're you, always giving you... me crap about coaching people. Yeah. Um, I I feel like the other part of it is that what I have to write, I can't write yet because I have to live it. So I feel like I'm still in in the stories mm. of this next book. So it's just not time to write it. But I think I have to write about things like um, like love and sex after trauma and things like really clear Ooh, boundaries. I think sex after trauma would be a great name. I know. I know. Sex after trauma in general is like a big thing. So part of what I – one of the things when I sent you – I that recommended the Esther Perel audio series, which for anybody listening, there's a three-part series on Audible that Esther Perel did. It's basically like a podcast. It's, it's like a 40-minute – um, counseling session with couples that she did. There's three of them. They're incredible. Um, if you follow me on Facebook or you signed up for my blog uh, emails, you'll hear about this. But um, the reason I'm mentioning it is that in the the third one, there's a couple that had both gone through sexual assault and and then super evangelical conservative mm-hmm. backgrounds, and then here they are, like probably in their like early to mid 30s, just like kind of sort of ho-hum sex life like they had just they had really they had resolved their trauma but they had not actually been re-educated and Esther Perel talks a lot about not a lot but like she really mentions that how you know what we do with trauma resolution work a lot of times is we we bring people back to a place of being healthy (laughs) but we don't actually re-educate them on how to be sexual like totally you know the stuff that we've been talking about in the cuddle parties and all that stuff, you know, and like consent and how to actually get awesome sex, not just not have trauma. Right. You know, that's huge. That's huge. That's like what I do with almost all of my clients is, I mean, sometimes a lot of times, yeah, it's bringing people from like way below zero up to zero, but then to, to 10, like, yeah, I think that's awesome. I'll have to listen to that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was just beautiful. Because what's the point of healing if you're not going to be enjoying your life? Like, you're not healing just to be a baseline human. Right. That's not fun. No one no wants fun. to be basic. No one wants to be basic. Basic human. <laughs> have a basic sex life. Yeah. Um, I mean, basic sex life wouldn't be bad either. Especially if you have a history of, like, fucked up sex life. But awesome sex life would be awesomer. Well, I think a basic is, is not... A basic still carries with it, like disappointment and mediocrity and shit that actually sucks like if there was one you know one area of your life that could be awesome i think sex if like i could only have one awesome area of my entire life yeah and the rest would, i would say were relationships basic. is that too can you and then does that include sex i think that includes sex yeah okay. is that was that am i allowed to say relationships or is that like I think relationships, yeah. They need to be more specific. But I think specifically sexual relationships. This is, oh, okay, I'm asking Okay, you. like romantic relationships, maybe. I mean specifically like the time you spend under the sheets with someone. Okay. If you can make that go from basic to awesome, uh-huh. 
I'm pretty sure the quality of the rest of your life increases like 20 fold. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what's weird about that and I like it doesn't this. have to be just sex, but just that time that you're like under the sheets with somebody. Does it's... it have to be under sheets or can you be <laughs> on a couch or maybe in the kitchen? Yeah, but specifically, there's something magical about that <laughs> time under the, under the sheets. sheets. Okay, got it. Yeah. But not under blankets because it can get hot. Too hot. Way too hot. But I do like being under a sheet. Like, I do like being covered up a little bit. It's yeah. Nice. Um, and like bare skin. Like, the time you spend bare skin under sheets with another human being, if you can make that go from mediocre to awesome, for what, real. Yeah. Yeah. What are some, this is an awesome tangent, so I'm just going to keep going <laughs> with it. Um, what are some, what are some things that make that awesome for you? Like, what are some, how would you know that it's going from mediocre to awesome? The bare sheets under the skin. I think the, bare, me- bare the mediocre the experience. Yeah. yeah which, whatever. Okay. <laughs> um, the mediocre experience is kind of like you're bare skin under sheets and you're kind of both thinking maybe more is possible, but nothing more is happening. Hmm. Or like one person's holding back or one person's not that interested. Like you're the wrong. When you say more, what do you mean by more? Because some people might interpret that like by like. Like more connection. More sense of like, hi, we're we're here in this special time. Like this this special moment of life, which is being naked under sheets with another person. Mm -hmm. Like how can we make this just yummy for both of us? Whether it's just like nuzzling your face into someone or giving someone else a massage or asking somebody something like tender or just looking into each other's eyes. Like, I don't think it matters what you're doing, but just that you're not feeling like you've left something undone because you were afraid. Hmm. What did, what did, uh, do you have any other advice for people that find themselves on naked under sheets with people that from your grown goddess experience? <laughs> but what, what does a grown goddess do to, to make that experience even better? Mm, I think a grown goddess would maybe... What is a grown goddess, by the way? What's all this about? Grown goddess is somebody who has like unshamed and reclaimed her pleasure and her power and her sense of aliveness. Mm-hmm. So, you know, secret bad girls have like core wounds of, you know, their identity and their their capacity to say no and their like purpose in life all of those things have been shamed or repressed or exploited or neglected and they're like you know struggling but a grown goddess is like so alive in her in her desire and in her passion and her selfhood Mm -hmm. so i think a grown goddess under the sheets would be like um okay that's the follow-up memoir grown goddess under the sheets Yes, that's what it is. It's not just grown goddess. It's grown goddess under the sheets. Good. I could tell all the stories. I need more stories of that, though. Grown goddess between the sheets, maybe, or something. Between the sheets, under the sheets, something like that. Between the sheets. It's like a little slow jam. Anyways, continue. Okay, we can write the song. Um, I think she would say, she would ask for what she wants. She would be, like, vulnerable and willing to be like, hey, what do you think about like I'd like this Mm -hmm. or she would um, yeah she would know what turns her on she'd be like this is kind of hot do you you know do you have any interest in doing this Mm -hmm. or she would just silently seduce Mm -hmm. or she would know what she you know she would let those times under the sheets be like really healing like what do I what do I need that would feel really really good right now Mm-hmm. It's like from that video that Jen was saying, like, what, what would, how can we change each other's lives in this little moment here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How can we create stories? Yeah, I love that. Like, what do you need? What do I need? Like, what do we both need that we can only get in this space? How can we give it to each other? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Where does where does to to bring this back a little bit to writing? Where does sex and writing? meet for you or sex and creativity like for you i mean there's like an obvious oh we all think sex and creativity is a shock or whatever blah, blah blah but like what does that actually meet for you yeah well i think one thing that's kind of fun about that is sometimes it's in the the lack of sex and that longing that you can kind of write into that space you can like write into what it is that you want or mm-hmm. write into what it is that you're desiring 
So that's one place that it meets for me. I definitely go into that kind of like, all right, I'm going to just write really erotically because I have got no eroticism happening in my life right now. Mm. Um, so it can fill the gap. Writing can fill the gap. I know some women like that who do a lot of erotic writing. And I, from what I understand about them, I imagine their life is not like for whatever reason, they don't have that in their life, but they write really erotic stuff. Yeah, so that's one way. That's one way I can totally fill the gap. Another is just, um, I had this boyfriend once. We used to just like write poetry in bed together. We just like go back and forth, line to line. I mean, it's just kind of like improv style, like where you just like, like he'd write a rat line word, and then word, I'd write a word. line. Oh, like lines. Okay. Yeah, we'd yeah. just go back and forth, or we'd both write poetry and then share it. And it's just like it's just fun. I think eroticism. I think poetry or writing, like they feel the same to me. It's just that that same sense of like something has to happen. It's that emergent feeling of like this has to happen. And that's the way I like for sex to be too, where it's like there's no force. You didn't put yourself on a sex schedule. You're like, I really want to have sex with you right now. Like this desire is really alive in me. How can I move toward it? That's the way I like to write. Mm. Nice. Mm-hmm. Do uh, sex and writing overlap for you? Mm. You know, I find that my personality in the, as I write, and my personality as a sexual being is somewhat similar. Which is um, what? <laughs> well, I realized, uh, you know, it's like, I like, I like, I like shock and relief in a lot of ways. Hmm. And so as a writer, I typically like, you know, I start off and I, I just like kind of, you know, I like slap people with something, you know, and they're like, and then, and then like, and then they're a little bit offended maybe (laughs) even hopefully, you know, spank them, you know. uh, We did say we were going to do spanking on this podcast interview somehow. We could. We could do spanking. <laughs> no, I think it's happening right now. Go okay. on. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'll start off with something kind of rough, but then, like, switch it up to, like, oh, this guy's not just a total asshole. Like, <laughs> he's actually really sensitive. And, like, oh, my gosh. And the, oh, he's, like, really deep, too. Like, damn, you know? Like, those are my favorite when I, like, you know, when I write in a very, like, kind of cavalier way where it's, like, you know, I'm just, like, dropping f-bombs everywhere but then i'll just like add in this like super deep part (laughs) where it's like wow i just like want to mess with people like that i want to like i love the wow i love that the classic you know review of a play right i laughed i cried i blah 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 you know like you can get someone to laugh and cry like that's great Mm. I, i go for that and i think i do that in sex too like i want there to be you know i want there to be some moments of playfulness and I want there to be some like really deep meaningful moments too you know mm-hmm. um and, and do you piss people off at the beginning I mean not I don't try to but sometimes I do <laughs> accidentally you know not in the beginning of sex hopefully but like in the beginning of relationships you know like I'll be uh I can I can I can come across uh a bit irreverent sometimes or mm, yeah um offensive offensive or <laughs> Like, um, you know, and I guess it, it, for me, it comes from like, I don't really, like, I really believe on a very deep level that I'm just a good person. And I don't, so I don't really work really hard to like, I don't work super hard to try to sh- put my best foot forward a lot of times. Cause I know that if somebody gets to know me, they'll, they'll see who I am, you know? Mm. Um, Interesting. So. And is that true with your writing too? Um, well, with writing, I mean, you don't always get that chance, you know, I mean, you don't mm. you do need to like kind of hook people with something, but I like, I just like moving people. I want, I want, you know, maybe that's the same way I am too, as a person, like I would rather be memorable than nice and polite, mm. you know, and I would rather my writing move someone, even if it moves them to write an angry email to me, you know, then, then just go. Yeah, I've heard that before or whatever. Sure. You know, I just feel like there's enough stuff out there on the internet. Now, again, I don't, I'm going to try to be inflammatory, like for just for its own sake. Right. I mean, I try to, but if I'm, if I, if I find something that I want to, if I find something I want to write about and it's kind of like 
well, uh, it's been talked about before. It's been there, and it's not. I might just not. You like do novelty. That. Significance, maybe. Significance, okay. You know, so it's interesting. I'm like adding something new to the conversation. Right, we have this in common, but in a very from a different angle. Like from what I'm hearing from you, it's because like part of your personality is irreverent and. What are you trying of, to say? I'm trying to say that you're, that already. you're a punk. I'm, um, punk. I'm a punk. I'm trying to say you're a punk. Shut you're up, a listen punk. to me. Exactly. Right. Um, but for me, like, similarly, I was so in, once I figured out what trauma is and how it works, like, on a physiological level, I wanted to, like, vomit all the life coaches and therapists in the world and be like, you guys are so inefficient and ineffective. And so I started talking about, you know, something that wasn't really being talked about from the scientific perspective, but also I was doing something irreverent by like telling my story, which is something a lot of people don't do. I mean, yeah, people tell their rape stories, but practitioners, healers, teachers holding the space of telling their story and still being an educator, that's a line a lot of people don't cross. Um, but I just did it because I felt like not because what is your reason was like because you wanted to move people. I did it because I felt like it would change people's lives, which is maybe the same thing. Yeah, I've been pretty anti-changing people's lives lately. When I say lately, in a couple of years. Not that I don't want to change people's lives. I just don't have that as a goal or a focus. You know why I did? Why? Because what I learned changed my life to an extent that made me so much significantly more functional as a human and happy and alive that I was like, there are so many people that are walking around half dead who are just like me. Yeah. And I just felt like I wanted people to know. Yeah, I guess in a larger sense, like, I do feel like I'm changing people's lives. No, but the difference might be that whatever it is that you're writing about isn't necessarily stuff that changed your life. So it's not necessarily stuff that you want. Oh, I guess I do, though. Like, yeah. I, I do tend to, like, try to pull out significant lessons from yeah. things that... And I think that's also important that I think, like, I'm like, well, if I didn't actually apply this and make my life better, then why am I writing about it? Like, sure. I hate that when people write stuff and they're just like, it's not really, it's not actually something that they've applied in their life. Right. Like, what's the point of that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, I don't do, I don't recommend, like, practices that I don't do. Right. And I only do a few. There's not much. So, you know, <laughs> I don't, I'm not like, oh, you should meditate every day. That'd be really good for you. Like, <laughs> I don't, like have a meditation practice, quote unquote. Now I ride my bike a couple hours a day. So like there are certain things that I do that are meditative or contemplative. You know, I don't mm -hmm, sit mm -hmm. and contemplate, but I'm like, okay. But there's things that I, I just, I think that's where we got enough of that. Like people can totally. just Google stuff and get advice if they need it. Right. You know. So you, you don't want to write shit that people are going to Google. You want to write shit that. Well, it's just like, I just, uh, I just think there's so much. Uh, the internet is full of so much crap today. And I mostly write on the internet as you know mm -hmm. and so i just like why add to that right i just have I, I actually try to really whatever i do whether it's on social media or blog or book type things it's like i just don't want to waste people's attention mm -hmm. and i feel like we're most of us are so disrespectful of other people's attention and even this podcast like i i won't i, I sometimes i don't post for months or sometimes i post more and but like I'm only going to, and and I've interviewed some people and then said, hey, this wasn't awesome. I, I'm probably not going to post it. Dang. You know, a couple times that happened. <laughs> is, this, in the beginning, is this podcast not awesome enough to this, post? This is going to be great. Okay. This is going to be posted. But also because that was probably when I was doing it over <laughs> Skype too, you know? Right. Like in person, it's way, it's way better. But um, but yeah, yeah, like, I don't know. I just feel like there's enough crap out there. Like, why, why do that? Totally. You know, and so... I, um, yeah. That's how I roll. I like it. You know? I like the fleshiness of this. I want to build, you know, as we were talking about Seth Godin a little earlier, and like, I think Seth said something that I just absolutely believe, which is that, you know, he was talking about businesses that are always trying to scale, or people are always trying to scale. He's like, if I'm trying to scale anything, I'm trying to scale trust. Nice. You I know? like that. So his goal is to, when he puts out something new, how many people are just a yes to it automatically? Yeah, totally. How many people are pre-approved, have pre-approved him? 
I'm showing you, I'm pulling something up. So I like that you said that because. That's what I try to do. I mean, I just want to like, I want to get to that point where like, there's just a couple thousand people that are just going to buy whatever I do because it's me, because I've proven over time that, that I respect their attention and then their, that what I do is, is going to be of quality. Yeah. Even if it's a photograph or a book or an article. Right. They trust that you're going to be you and then you're not selling out. That might, and I have a standard for what, like, like if they invest time, money, or energy, like, I'm going to deliver something amazing. Yeah, I love that. So one of the things, you know, speaking of, like, crappy shit on the internet, I mean, I it have... It should be its own podcast, <laughs> crappy shit on the internet. How to not make crappy shit on the internet. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got Instagram, and I write my little things, and I write about trauma, but, like, I was just getting so sick of writing to an audience like not writing from my soul or from myself mm-hmm. so i make these little memes that you like right so this, i do like them this and is we will f- link to the we will link to your instagram well it's uh, at, at rachel maddox rachel spell with a-e-l mm-hmm. maddox m-a-d-d-o-x if you want to check out that but yeah we'll link to the your instagram account in the show notes because these are really cool i like these yeah so this is like a photograph of me that has written over it everything changes and yeah. um and I just wrote, like, I got tired of commodifying my message, you know, and just, like, I don't give a fuck if this is on brand, but I want to make art I think that... it's on, yeah, it's great. I mean, it is on brand, but sure, that's the but funny part. Just saying, cares. like, I don't it's give a fuck. About, it's not about that. But the point is, writing that you don't care if it's on brand or not right. creates trust because people know, like, you're going to be true to yourself and you're going to make stuff right. that turns you on, that therefore... You know, I think that when we create what turns us on, we actually are sending out a sonar of like aliveness and turn on. And when we're making stuff like, you know, because we think it's what's going to make us money or get us followers or whatever, that's the energetic frequency we're putting out in the world. And there's so much of that. It's so annoying and gross. Right. So. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. And that's, yeah, that's the, because to do, to build trust, you have to actually say no to a bunch of shit. Yeah. Like this, I get this, not all the time, but more than I'd like, where people like reach out to me and they go, hey, uh, I'm doing this workshop. Can you put this out to your followers on Facebook? And I'm like, no. And right. I will tell them, no, I'm not going to be like, or the, you know, oh, can you do, maybe, no. I'm like, listen, I don't recommend anything that I haven't personally gone through and absolutely loved. Right. Period. Like, why would I just put this out? Why would I spam my friends? Like, fuck that. Right. Stupid. So stupid. Yeah. I hate that. I don't know. I just like, and I, I don't, yeah, I, I, I actually, you know, I, I'm, yeah, I have so much I can say about that, but it's mostly just the same thing over and over again. So, yeah. <laughs> the answer is no, I will not spam my friends for you. Right. Go and away. I think that it's, and it's a long, it's a long game. I mean, I'm playing a longer game than other people. Yeah. You know? So it's like, um, it may not. I may not. Show, I may not have results right away. They may win something right away. They may be making more money right away. But it's like, I'm again. I'm building a relationship with an audience. You've over got time. what's that called? Um, like community wealth. Totally. Yeah. You know, I. And then want... people want me to just like spoil that shit on there on the spammy thing. Like, no, that's not how it works, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, you're like I invested like, I in this community get, wealth. I didn't get it. I didn't get to where I'm at by just sharing meaningless shit. Speaking of community wealth, um, this might be interesting for people who are listening. So Secret Bad Girl, I published with a Kickstarter. And that was cool because there was 234 backers, like 234 individuals who basically made it possible for me to publish my book and then who shared the book. And, you know, I developed direct relationship with them because I gave them the reward for the book. Um, Yeah. And like those are people who I value. Those are people who... I mean, I wrote their, each of their names in the acknowledgement of my book because it wouldn't exist without it. And that's because I've been investing in community for years that and showing up consistently and being myself that people trusted me. We're like, yeah, I'm going to support this girl. Yeah. What else did you learn in that process? What would you say to people who are interested in kickstarting a book of some kind? Um, that you have got to be willing to ask for help. Um, it was super vulnerable because for 30 days, I'm asking for help every day, like multiple times a day, mm-hmm. just every single day, at least twice a day, asking, will you support me mm-hmm. so that I can bring this thing that I care about into the world that I think will be of service? 
Um, so just getting super comfortable asking for help. I think that's a skill that one, like doing that Kickstarter was sort of like a threshold for me. One, because I just got really used to publicizing myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they say that like, if you think that you're saying too much or publicizing yourself too much, do it two times more. Okay. You know, so it's just like you really, I really got used to being like, I am okay with people seeing me and with me saying, look at me, help me, mm-hmm. buy from me, support me. Yeah. You know, and that was something that was way uncomfortable for me before I did the Kickstarter. And it was uncomfortable during, but it was like muscle memory. Now I'm really in like, okay, cool, whatever. I can promote myself as much as I want. No big deal. Mm-hmm. So that was one piece. Um, the other piece is just like, say thank you. Like, that people are giving you their attention, their money, their loyalty. Like, that's a gift. That's an, that's a privilege. So I also, like, I made these little ukulele lovegrams and, like, these little thank you songs, like, throughout the whole time. And it was just... It was just sweet. It was really humbling, like, to have that many people support me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's great. What were some of the up-leveler things you offered? Um, Just mostly, like, coaching packages with me. Um, Let's see. Yeah, that was, that was the biggest stuff. Like, mm-hmm. the higher-level things were just coaching packages. But I did do, like, ukulele loveograms for Valentine's Day. Like, I wrote love songs for people to send to their significant others and... Uh, yeah, I can't remember what else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. It was fun. Nice. It was hell. It was like through, it was Thanksgiving through Christmas. Never. Don't do it Thanksgiving through Christmas because that's just a really bad time of the year. It's hard to get people's attention. No, it was easy to get people's attention, oh. but it's just like hell because you want to be going into the winter and like resting and being with family. And like it's but a time more when generous people, people are generous. Yeah. But it's a time where you want to slow down. So they're like, what do you want for Christmas, Rachel? They're like, actually, <laughs> right. I want you to back my book. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So speaking of books, too, I'm like, I should take this little picture I've had of this grown goddess book that I've been really attached to because it came through, but that like does not feel exciting to me and I should just burn it. Yeah. After this interview on my patio with you. Great. Let's do it. (laughs) That sounds fun. (laughs) Fuck it. (laughs) Because if it, you know, if if it was meant to be, it'll come back. Right? That's what they say. That's what they say. I'm a big fan of burning shit to the ground and seeing what comes yeah. back hell yeah <laughs> me too <laughs> we've had a nice yeah. little run at burning shit to the ground yeah mm-hmm. totally love that yeah um there's like a cute meme that's not real quote but i love it it's like winnie the pooh and tigger mm-hmm. and it's like tigger's like what are we gonna do today or something or it's like what's He's like, what's uh, what's what, what are we gonna do today? And when he's like, we're gonna burn this motherfucker to the ground <laughs> or something like it was great. <laughs> and That's I just awesome. love it. It's it was it was it was well done. That's so great. Um, I love that. <laughs> oh no, he goes. Oh, it's like he's like, what's today? Oh no, yeah. It was like, what's today? And then there, he's like, he's like, today's the day we burn this motherfucker to the ground. And then and then Win- <laughs> Winnie the Pooh's like. My favorite day. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Um, I was. I, I have one more question for you that I usually end the show with. But okay. before I do that, uh, is there anything about writing that I that we missed that we, we want to talk about that you felt burning? Something no. Interesting. I know. Oh, you know, one of you know, the things I was there. thinking about was this um, this correlation between sex and writing. And how you publish a blog post once a week, so you've got like regularity. Mm-hmm. I have the most sporadic delivery schedule with my writing. Like I don't know. I mean, I write all the time, but I don't have like this day of the week I publish my shit. So I'm kind of just curious. Like, why do I do that? No, I'm curious. Like, does that correlate to both of our sex lives? Uh. Yeah, I don't definitely don't have. I'm more sporadic with my sex life, <laughs> um, yeah. but I think that you know, in a long term relationship, it's not a bad thing to put to actually schedule sex and put time aside. I think that's actually totally cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it just shows that you value it. And that's yeah, yeah. Because yeah. mm-hmm. um, then again, it doesn't have to be necessarily sex and like you're fucking. It could be like. You know, just time that you spend naked together, Under or the time sheets. that you spend just like <laughs> in like one on one with your devices off and in a sensual space. Sure, <clears throat> I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I don't. Um, 
I don't do that. And I actually find like I can go a long time without sex. But if I go a while without writing, it's weird. Although I'm getting ready to do that. I'm getting ready to do a little bike trip. And I'm going to be probably taking a, a month and a half off from writing. Because on some level, even though I do love Do you think writing, you're really not going to write during that time? Well, I'm not going to bring anything to write on. Not like a, you're not going to have really, your phone? I mean, I have notes? my phone. I, I might throw, I might jot some notes every once in a while, but I'm not going to try to like, sometimes when I let myself like jot everything down in my head, my, it just like, it like amplifies the head stuff. Sure. Like yeah. I'm going to try to not make it like an idea generation month. Right, right, right. You know, like. It's a cleansing. Um, so I, I could write some stuff on my phone, but I really am not going to try. I, I had this experience at um, Vipassana I went to a couple years ago which mm-hmm. the Vipassana is a 10 day um, silent meditation uh, retreat in the style of Buddhism whatever um, and so one of the things that the, you don't you know you turn you turn your phones in before um, and you don't have you don't pen paper nothing you just don't right. you don't right. need that stuff. and I was like they but they give you a program and I think I had like snuck a pen in or something you know <laughs> and I remember like in these meditations we're just sitting there and I'd have all these thoughts in mind, like my brain would be like, oh my God, great idea, great idea, great idea. And have these great <laughs> ideas. And I'd like, and I remember sitting, because you can, you can only talk, you can, you can make an appointment with the teacher and talk to him or her mm. um, for like 15 minutes. So I did that. It was like Once? the fourth day. No, like as many times as you want. But they're just there during lunch and, you know. Okay. And I was like, I'm having all these great ideas and I feel like if I don't write them down, it's like they're really legit awesome ideas. And the guy was like, he'd been doing it for a while. And he's like, well... <laughs> He's like, I've uh, experienced something similar, and I usually find that afterwards they weren't that great. <laughs> and I'm like, God, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> and so, so of course, I pulled out the pen, and I, like, wrote these things down. And then, sure <laughs> enough, like, a couple days later, I look at this, like, program that's filled with all these little notes on the side, and I'm like, this was stupid. <laughs> and, I could, and then I realized, oh, this is just my mind distracting me, because my mind knew that the thing that it could bait me with Right. It's like awesome ideas. Totally. Because I get very seduced by that. And so it baited me with a lot of that stuff. I was writing like full speeches in my head. I mean, it was That's crazy. Hilarious. And so, you know, what happened was, yeah, it didn't end up being anything worthwhile. And I also got distracted. And, and because I like, I didn't see that for what it was, which is just this distraction mechanism, um, I got distracted more. Yeah. So on this bicycle trip that I'm going to do, I, I think what it is, I may, maybe I'll write down some ideas, but I'm going to definitely pause before I do it and realize sure. that if I went a month without any, without generating notes and ideas and shit, like that, I'm fine. And you it's know, I love that thing. as a practice too. So we share this. Well, I like also, again, if you like let it go and it, it if it's real, it'll, it'll come, come back. back. Like you don't, For an real. amazing idea you don't forget about. Totally. You, know, so you don't have to write down. I also did a bike tour, right? I lived on a right. bike for eight months and... I, I've always been a writer and I wrote so little on that trip and I remember feeling like I was supposed to be producing stuff right. or all this crap yeah. but in reality like the things that you're just I living you're living and you're you're taking things into your muscle memory and into your soul and into like the deepest parts of you that changes you that you don't need to be writing that as it happens like you're in the pressure cooker it's like if you were in so with trauma resolution you do these embodiment alchemical alignment sessions where you're like touching someone and you're having physiological alchemy happen in your body if you were stopping to like write down all the little pieces that were happening you would be stifling the process and it wouldn't actually occur yeah like the alchemy wouldn't happen you wouldn't have the container right so i think there's cool like significance in taking time to Right, put yourself in some kind of pressure cooker and not write. Just be in it, which is right. hard. It's hard right. to do because my writing mind is wanting to like reflect and analyze and make and meaning and commodify. And, you know, and, and so it's like that's there's a time and a place for that, but it's also nice to just be able to be in the experience and not have to have it mean anything. Or well, I just, like what you said about the escape too, right? Because it's like the ego can run run out of the experience where right. it's uncomfortable and write about it. Right. Totally. Yeah, totally. I totally use writing as an escape from experiencing. It's a really lovely one, <laughs> especially when other people read what you write and think that it's really great. And you're like, and yeah, that, and think that you were in it even more because you were writing about it, right? Uh, I wish I didn't know this so well. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. 
Um, well, yeah. Well, okay, so I want to ask you the um, the last question mm-hmm. that I did already preview to you, so you know. Um, but if you could write yourself a note and maybe a scroll, <laughs> if you will, and slip it back through time, and it could land uh, in your hands um, at some point in your life, um, in the context of writing and, and, and what you would tell yourself as a writer, um, what would that scroll say? And when would you send it to yourself? <sighs> yeah, I thought I had a certain answer to this. Uh, good. But now I feel like I have a different answer to it. It's good. Um, I like when people discover these in the moment. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, of course. I don't know exactly what age I would send this to. Maybe even like a more recent age. Um, maybe I would reverse it. I would have my like high school self. You send it to yourself in the future? Yeah. Because oh, I had this way. Nobody's ever said this before. Yeah, this is this is what feels really true for me. Like, I was such a rebellious teenager, and I was very wild, like a wild, creative person. And you know, I took like a sketchbook everywhere and wrote things all the time. It was just like not trying to commodify anything I did, and just so like romantic about my creativity. Like I was in the romance of being a creator. Mm-hmm. And I think I would send a note to my future self, which is like, don't lose the romance. Mm-hmm. That's it. Real simple. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. love that. Uh, I have a, one of my, one of the things I've said to my musicians that I play with before shows, sometimes if we're doing like a, you know, like a big show and it's like a group, you know, you, you like to have that little moment before, you know, before you step on the field, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> and um, I said this once and I've used it a couple times since, which is like, um, let's make, let's play the show that would make our 13-year-old selves proud. Yes, exactly. <laughs> because when we were 13, this shit was awesome. Yeah. You know, just getting to like, getting to play music for anybody. Yeah, Never exactly. mind like a hundred screaming college girls like that shit's <laughs> awesome you know like like the time i did this was actually i was playing at a festival at ucsd nice. and we were on like toward the end and mm. there was you know hundreds of people and they were all looking at us like we were the fucking you know the hottest and, things on know. earth yeah and i was like i just was like this is let's not forget how awesome this is okay <laughs> exactly. this is great i was taking pictures of myself <laughs> Like, you know, <laughs> pretending to be on stage when I was in, like, high school and, so you know, my, in, in my backyard where it was dark and just thinking it was just, you know, I set up a mic stand and, like, pose for, you know, it's like, yeah. no, like, I'm doing it for real. I'm having professional photographers, you know, I'm not paying, That's take pictures so of me with awesome. big lights, doing electric guitar <laughs> solos. Like, I'm doing it. It's as yeah. cool as I could ever imagine. I better not just, like, be thinking about something else. Like, I better right. be enjoying the fuck out of that, you know. Totally. Or my 13-year-old self would be pissed. Yeah, totally. And, you know, speaking also of having, like, your teenage self speak to your adult self, I wouldn't want my adult self to go back to my teenage self and be like, don't worry, it all worked out. You wrote books. Like, that wouldn't inspire mm. my younger self. My younger self would be like, really? Yeah. You know, because she wasn't in it for that. And and that's yeah. the funny thing. Like, a lot of people have always had this dream to write a book. I never mm. did. Mm. Before I wrote Secret Bad Girl, I tried to write another book when I was, like, 25. Never finished it or whatever. Mm. But I didn't care. I wasn't like, I have to write a book. I have to be an author. Mm. It was never a dream of mine, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I think if I had gone back and told her, like, your dreams, will, like, this is going to happen or – or keep writing or like anything like that. It just would be totally a moot point. Like mm-hmm. she was, I, I think my younger self is probably a lot more uh, inspiring or definitely more inspiration to me now than my older self would be to her, except maybe about sex. <laughs> I would tell her, don't do it. <laughs> Go get out slower. of the, get out of the back seat. <laughs> Oh, the backseat, the best. You know, sometimes not so much. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. um, well, this is really fun. I'm really glad we did this. Yeah, and same. Thanks for sitting down and doing this. And people can uh, check out your stuff in the show notes, as I'll say in the outro to this probably. And um, yeah. yeah. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Um, as much as I did. I know I always say that I really do enjoy these. I really do enjoy um, all the conversations I have with people because, 
you know, this show started and still is completely self-serving. It is really just a opportunity for me to grow as a writer and learn about other people. Uh, and I feel like I've, uh, you know, in talking to other people's about their creative process, like I've gotten to learn a lot of little things that I can do better or that I can incorporate and that have made my process uh, really nice. Um, and so thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you check out Rachel. You can send her an email. You can go to her website, which is linked in the show notes, darkonthepage.com slash 065. You can check her out on Instagram. Um, and you can, are you on Twitter? She's not on Twitter. No one's on Twitter. Twitter sucks. Um, and you can do that. Um, and you can also email me, darkonthepage at gmail.com. I may have already said that. Maybe it was in the intro. I don't know. I'm recording these at the same time. And, um, yeah, we'll see you uh, very soon. So thank you so much. And I feel like I should interrupt. You can't interrupt against the outro. <laughs> Just to be bad. You're so bad. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, until we meet again, go make great art. <laughs>